Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Anyways, I liked, I like that, um, greeting one another with praise the Lord, uh, because all of us kind of come in with baggage, right? And some of us are happy, some of us are sad, um, <clears throat> some of us are ambivalent, but we have to learn how to praise the Lord. We praise the Lord in all those seasons, right? God is worthy to be praised in all the aspects of our lives. It's not just when we feel like we have it all together. And praising the Lord is a choice. And so we encourage one another to praise the Lord wherever you're at, however I am this morning. <clears throat> so, so that's good. I don't know if I ever said this today, but I'm Chris. I'm one of the pastors um, here. And I will be sharing our message today. If the lights are bothering you, I can see some people going like this. Um, feel free to lower the blind if you'd like. If you don't want to, then don't worry about it. But, um, yeah. Anyways, my wife, um, Alyssa, who, who usually works on Sundays, so she's not here often, but she told me I could tell, her, tell you this about her. Um, she has some things that she really likes. She has certain foods she really likes. And so if she sees it on a menu, uh, she will order those things. And... Um, like things with black beans. She almost always orders something that has black beans in it. And uh, eggplant. Things with eggplant. She loves eggplant. And she'll, so if she sees eggplant, um, she'll order it. But sometimes she orders these things and she doesn't like it. And you know that happens? That happens to the best of us? The thing is, is she doesn't pay attention to things like that. And so the next time we go to the same restaurant, she'll see the same description and think, ooh, I want that. And she'll order the same thing she didn't like again. And, and then she's like, ah, oh, I don't like this. And you know, maybe the third time she's like, I know I had a strong feeling about this. You know? So she orders it again. So she just does this. And she just, she, I, I can't tell you how many times she orders the same thing and is disappointed. Um, but she just likes the description. She's like, oh, this is going to be so good. Um, now, you know, now that we've been married for a while and I've learned this about her, and I've pointed it out to her because she didn't even know that she did this. Um, like, now she keeps track of it a little bit better, and I help her remember, like, oh, no, you don't like that. Um, and then I have her get something that I like. Well, I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, but many of us do this. Uh, we're prone to make the same mistakes over and over again, despite knowing better. I mean, I know I tend to stay up too late. That is just a common habit of mine, and it makes it harder to get up. It affects my morning devotions. Like, you know, I try to, like, before I even get out of bed, I, I like, I do a, do a Bible reading. And um, because otherwise, if I just try to squeeze it in, it won't happen. So I make sure I do it, like, before I even leave the bed, um, I get it. But if I'm really tired, sometimes I fall asleep again. Um, and the second alarm gets me. But um, I know that I should go to bed earlier. Right? Yes. As my son, you should. Because, uh, but, I do tend to stay up too late. And, and, and these, these things, ordering the wrong foods and staying up too late, those are small examples. But 
we have like bigger ones too, things that like I'm not going to share with you, like, oh, I just do that again and again, and I should know better. And, you know, I think many of us have known somebody, maybe they've been attracted to a certain kind of person, and it repeatedly goes bad for them. Um, or I know I've had friends um, that when they do well, they reward themselves, right? They reward themselves like, oh, with a drink. And then like the same cycles of addiction kind of pop up in their lives. Um, so we get caught in those traps where we like put ourselves in the same situations and we make the same wrong choice over and over again. Um, and it happens in the Bible too. It happens in the Bible too. Because um, we over and over we see the Israelites make the same mistakes. Right? Uh, and despite seeing God do miraculous things throughout their history, again and again they fall into the same patterns of sins. And, and it's easy to judge them for this. Um, I know... I know, I remember um, when I went to youth group and stuff and like hearing the stories, like, how could Israel do that again? Um, but now that I'm older, I'm like, well, I, I know how they did it again. They just did it again by doing it again. Um, right? Because many of us, yeah, we've battled with the same sin for years after years, you know? Like they just kind of hang around us, you know, maybe even decades. Um, some of us, you know, have struggled with things for our whole life. Uh, today we're going to see one of the times where Israel forgot God again, when they rejected God again. And we're going to look at Moses' reaction, and we're going to look at God's reaction. And so, I'm going to start on Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Now, Moses is up on the mountain. He was, given, he was being given instructions on how to make the tabernacle, you know, which is a sort of portable temple, how to make priestly garments and instructions on the Sabbath. And we went over all of these last week. And one of the things I said, it's, it's like a reworking of creation. It's a new way of living with God as in their midst. Um... And that was to be a sign, a sign of a, a new way of life, a nation that lived with God. And Moses has given those instructions on the mountain, and the, which was covered with clouds and lightning. And while all that's happening, the people choose to reject God. Okay? They're given a new creation, and they reject God again, just like Adam and Eve at the beginning of creation. The Israelites, they, they, they reject not just God, but God's plan for them. Right? Um, when a second chance was given to them, a new way to live with God was being given to bless all of the nations. While that was happening, Israel decided to reject God. And who knows what they were thinking. Um, but they, gathered, they got tired of waiting. Right? They were waiting for something to happen. And then they got tired. And they got bored. And they got distracted. And... How many of us have done stupid things when we get tired and we get bored and we get distracted, right? We take our eye off of like what we should be doing, what we should be waiting for. And they gathered around Aaron. Um, remember, Aaron is Moses' brother. He was a close witness to all that God had done. And he went at least partway up the mountain when God was giving Moses the Ten Commandments. But when his people gathered around them, um, 
and, and the, in the words, the gathering, it was not a friendly gathering. It was more like a mob, an angry mob. And when faced with this mob, he ignored the commandments that God had given. Oh, and notice that the, that the angry Israelites, they, they called Moses this fellow who brought us up out of Egypt. Like they didn't know who he was, which in some ways was true. Remember, Moses didn't grow up uh, with the Israelites. He spent his time, like whenever he was a baby, you know, until he was weaned, he spent that with his um, Israelite mother. But then he grew up with the Egyptians. And then he was sent away. He ran away to the Midianites. And that's where he had this family. Moses was an outsider. And then as soon as he's gone for a few days, the people's prejudice against him showed. Like, who is this guy? That guy. And the Israelites, they rejected Moses. Who knows if he's coming back? He's not really one of us. We don't know what happened to him. Instead of waiting in the desert, let's go. And Aaron, Moses' brother, right? He was set up to be the high priest, to form the priestly lineage who had been Moses in the presence of God. He gave in. Aaron told the Israelites, give me all the gold earrings that you guys are wearing. Um, plunders from when the Egypt, remember those, that was plunder from when they left Egypt, right? They plundered all of Egypt. Um, because I, I wouldn't think that a lot of slaves had gold earrings. But everybody, the men, the women, everybody is wearing gold earrings. Um, so they collected all the gold earrings. And when all the gold was collected, Aaron fashioned a golden calf. And he built the calf an altar. And he told the people, tomorrow there'll be a festival for the Lord. Um, okay, just a Hebrew nerd thing. The Lord, we sang Yahweh, Yahweh, which is the name of the Lord. The word Yahweh was not used. He didn't use the word Yahweh there. Um, he used the more common name for the Lord and the Elohim, like one of the gods, not, not the god Yahweh. And this, this, this isn't just a rebellion, it's rejection. The Israelites are rejecting God with all of this. Remember, God had a plan way back with, from Abraham, a promise to make a nation out of him, to be a blessing to the whole world. And they're turning their back on that by making a new God. And of course, this infuriates God and the people around God, um, like that they, they would reject him. But God's plan would not be thwarted by people's evil actions. Right? So God tells Moses, this is all going on. And, he, and God's just ticked. He's angry. He, and uh, he's like, all right. Yeah, no, my plan's going to still happen. But I'm going to kill all of them, Moses, and I'm going to start again with you. All of them are gone. I'm going to destroy them. And Moses, he pled for his people. This is Exodus 32, 11 through 14. But Moses sought favor, sought the favor of the Lord. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with a great power and the mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them on the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Right? He's calling back to, to the witness that, that, this, this, that this is providing. Right? Because this was a testimony to God's power, to the Egyptians. So he didn't, if the Israelites all died, it would be like a, a vindication of a, like it would be like telling the Egyptians it was a capricious God that didn't care about them. So, and then he reminds God, remember your servants, Abraham, 
Isaac and Israel, whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the skies, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be an inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on, on his people the disaster he had threatened. Right? Moses there appeals to God's promises. Now, I do want to point out that um, Moses is a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. So even if God had restarted his promise with Moses, um, it still would have been the, the original promise, right? It would still would have been Abraham's descendants. But he appeals to God. He appeals to God. And God relents. God relents. His prayers, his prayers work. Okay, and now there, there's some people that be like, oh, well, I don't know. God is really just pretending to be angry and really, it seems like God's really angry. There's nothing to say that, you know, God was pretending. God's character, though, is always inclined towards mercy. God wants to be turned away. God wants an excuse to save. Um, he appeals to God, and God relents. And Moses comes down. He comes down off the mountain, and, he, and he's hot. And he, and he carries the two tablets um, with the written covenant that God made to his people. And he saw, when he came down, he saw all the people, they're partying. They're, they're in a festival. They're carrying on. And he throws down these tablets in anger, breaking them, as if destroying the covenant. Now Moses then, he, he took the calf, right? And everybody's like, ooh, what's this guy doing? He took the calf and he melted it. And he ground it in the powder and he made the people drink it. Um, now, this seems to be like a cultural thing at the time. There's actually other records, um, of other descriptions of, of similar acts with different cultures in that area. But like, it's, it's a way kind of like of culture dealing with people worshiping other gods. It's like, here, face your sin. Take this. And, uh, and so he makes them drink it. And he confronted Aaron, who totally lies to his face. Aaron completely lies here. Um, Aaron's like, I, I just threw the gold in the fire, and out comes a calf. I don't know. Um, so it's a total lie. And Moses doesn't even respond to him. <laughs> like, it's, it's, as a parent, sometimes, I know that I have heard some bald-faced lies that are just too ridiculous to be responded to. And I think that's what Moses does. It's like, I am just so mad. This is so ridiculous. I'm not even going to deal with this right now. And, and this next part, though, it, it's, it's kind of offensive to our modern ears. But while all this is still happening, the people are still partying. There's, the festival is still going on. Um, I, I don't know how long it takes to take a golden calf, melt it down, grind it, and get people to drink it. Um, but there is a party still happening in the middle of all this. And so I don't know who all the people are that got to, had to drink it. Um, but the party didn't stop. It, it is just an out-of-control rager. And, and, and this, this festival of worship to this calf had turned this to a drunken frenzy. And I'm going to continue on on verse 25. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control, so they became a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. And then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side. Go back and forth throughout the camp, from one end to another, each killing his brother 
and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart from the Lord today, for you are against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. Um, so the people were out of control, and they were a laughing stock to their enemies. They were so out of it that they were not safe, right? They were vulnerable, right? If everybody's drunk and there's an attack, what would happen, right? Their actions are showing that they're just an undisciplined mob. And so Moses calls for those who are loyal to the Lord to come to him. Now, if everybody had just stopped what they were doing and came to him, nothing would have happened. But the party didn't stop. Only the Levites came to him. Then Moses told them that the Lord said to go through the camp and kill your people. Don't show favoritism to your neighbor. Don't show favoritism to your family. Don't show favoritism to your friends. Go back and forth throughout the camp and, and root out. I'm, I'm assuming it's like the ringleaders because if they're having to go back and forth, it's like they're searching. Um, so they're searching for the ringleaders, the people that are keeping the party going, the, the idolatry growing. But, you know, it's still kind of horrific. Now, I just want to point out that the text never says that God said that. Moses said that God said that. And I'm not saying that God didn't tell Moses that. I'm just saying that the text only says that Moses said that God said. Um, but we do have to say, as, of God's, as God's prophet, Moses did speak for the Lord. So it was as if God said it. And 3,000 people were killed. And, and that's one of those hard things, right? Um, and that, there's two things. Well, there's a couple things I think of whenever I hear things like this. Um, I guess I kind of understand. Like, I understand the need of the death of those 3,000s. Because those 3,000, um, their actions were a threat to the community. They made Israel a laughingstock before their enemies. It does, but still, killing all of them? It doesn't sound loving. But then, you know, I think, well, what's Moses supposed to do? What's the alternative? Um, how can he stop it? Why am I not more offended at the actions of the 3,000 that put the entire community at risk? Why does that not bother me? Because um, it's really easy to be judgmental of ancient systems of justice. But, you know, they didn't have jails. They were a nomadic people going through. They didn't even have handcuffs, right? Um, they didn't have tasers. They didn't have restraints. Um, you know, they, had, they did have rope, but like, they had to make the rope themselves with like, things they gathered in the desert. Um, you know, they didn't have you know, crowd control tactics. They didn't have PA systems to yell over the crowd. So what were the Israelites to do? How were they supposed to stop this? Um, I don't have an answer. But I'm just telling you how I'm wrestling with this and what I'm thinking about as I'm reading it. Because they needed to be stopped. Things were happening. They were vulnerable. They were endangering everybody. And they were riling the people up. They were leading the people astray. Um, like I said, I don't have easy answers like, well, this is exactly the reason. It says so right here in the text. But, you know, God gives us these things, and we're supposed to wrestle with them. Okay, 
that's one of the things you're supposed to do with scripture, right? You're supposed to read it. You're supposed to hear it. You're supposed to think, hmm, why? So because God is always loving. His actions are going to be loving. His discipline is going to be loving. Um, so how is this loving? Wrestle with it. Think about it. Anyways, eventually the crowd is subdued. And Moses lets them know that God is angry. And, he, and Moses, he goes back up to the mountain to try to get God's forgiveness. And Moses does an interesting thing. He offers himself up to God. He offers himself to God. Um, this is 32, verses 31. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Right? Moses, he offers himself. Like as an atoning sacrifice. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to bear their burden. I, I want to bear my people's sins on me. Put it all on me. But God rejects as Moses' offer. Moses, he offers himself as a sacrifice, but God rejects it. Uh, Moses is not qualified to make that sacrifice, right? Because a sacrifice is supposed to be perfect. Moses isn't perfect. A sacrifice has to be spiritual clean. Moses isn't spiritually clean. Moses cannot be the atonement for his people. And every one of them, God tells them, will have to answer for their own sins. So God tells the people to pack up and go. And his angels will lead them, and God will still uphold his promise to clear out the lands. But right now, God's not going to go with them. <laughs> like, you guys just go, I'm too mad. <laughs> just go. And Moses and the people are heartbroken. And people mourn, and they, 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 they intercede, they pray, and God's like, I'm so mad, it is just best if I'm not around you guys. Like, you guys are so stubborn and so unwilling to follow my lead. If I was with you, who knows what's going to happen. I'd, 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 I'd destroy you all. And so the people mourned, continue to mourn. They, they put away all of their, their, their jewelry, their, their finery, and they grieved. And then Moses, he spoke to God. And he told God, he said, God, we don't want to be anywhere you're not. We don't want to be anywhere you're not. You are our hope. And we want to be where you are. Even if you stay here, then we'll stay here. We'll stay in the wilderness. But just let us be with you. And this pleases, this pleases God. And then there's this part of the story um, where Moses, he asked to see God in his glory. But God said, no, no, my glory is too rich for you. And um, so God kind of shelters him in the, in the crevice, in the crack in the rock. And he says, okay, after I walk by, you can look behind me and you can see, see my back. But you're not worthy to see me. You can't see God and live. Nobody can see God and live. And then God, he recarves the tablets that Moses threw down in anger. God recarves it, reaffirming his covenant with his people. And that's, that's the story for today. He reestablishes the promises. He, reaffir he reaffirms them. And so what do we learn? What do we learn from all of this? We learn that God, our God is always looking to redeem. He's always looking to redeem. He's always trying to save the situation. 
right? God is good. He's always looking to redeem us. We also learn that no one can save you, right? Your pastors can't save you. Your parents can't save you. Your friends can't save you. Your neighbors can't save you. Each of us are accountable for our actions. Of course, things influence us. But you are still responsible for you. And you'll have to give account to God for who you are and for what you've done. But, 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 there always has to be a but. God is always looking to redeem. And the God who is always looking to redeem has offered his own son, holy and blameless for his people. Moses tried, but he could not. He was not worthy. But Jesus Christ is holy, blameless, and perfect. Right? And the consequences of sin, which is death, complete separation from God. Jesus bore those consequences. He overthrew those consequences, making a way for all of us to come back to him. No one can save you, but Christ has saved you if you receive it. Because God, who knows our hearts, who knows that we are prone to wander, who knows that we are a stubborn and stiff-necked people making the same mistakes over and over again, he pours out his love through Jesus Christ to all the peoples, fulfilling the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to bless people from every tribe and nation so all may come to know the goodness of God. God is always looking to redeem. He is always looking to save. And Moses, Moses, he couldn't look on the face of God. God told him to look upon his glory would kill him. No one could look upon him and live. However, unlike Moses, those that trust in the amazing saving grace of Christ will not only see God as he walks by, but the veil is removed and we can behold him in his fullness. Nothing will stand between us and the love of God. And we'll see that love face to face one day. And that's the hope. That's the hope that we're holding on to. Right? That's, that's the things that are hinted at in this story. There will come a time when there will be somebody that can save us. That person is Jesus Christ. And we can receive that. And we can be saved. And Moses could not see God's glory. But God's glory is made manifest to us. Let's pray. Holy Father, teach us to follow you. Teach us to humble ourselves, Lord. Teach us to repent. Teach us to be quick to repent, not to lie, not to hide, not to, to make up excuses like Aaron, not to ignore you like the Israelites who wouldn't um, stop their worship. Lord, teach us to be quick to follow you. Teach us to be like Moses, Lord. Teach us to accept your son. Teach us to be more like him. Teach us how to receive his grace and teach us how to be transformed. Break the patterns of sins, the cycles of sin that we find ourselves in. Be our hope. Be our grace, Lord. Because you love us. In Christ's name, amen.